Good Friday. How can one describe such a day? The wrongdoing of all humanity, putting to an end an innocent man, the Son of God. This is the story of Jesus, death by way of a cross, all in one moment, bringing death to the bright light of our future. He never stopped loving us, and yet this is the incredible part of it. Our sin stopped his heart. Our sin drove the nails firmly in the hands of God. All along, these were the plans. We told ourselves that we were in control, and this was deemed sufficient for all of us. The brutal beating, the inhumane flogging, the naked humiliation. Heaven watched and saw it all. Our rebellion, our guilt, our shame, erasing the very notion of reconciling us with God, our sin and our debt, overcoming. Jesus, here is our King, obliterated, the enemy laughing, his plans unstoppable. There's no longer the sound of freedom rising. Now God's people are utterly broken. Behold the chains of mortality. Yes, this is what is true. We had heard the stories of old. The lost are found, the blind can see, the weak are made strong. But now we are witnesses to this reality. God is dead. We had almost believed there is a way of redemption. There is a life of fulfillment. There is a peace beyond understanding. Now we know better. For us, we can say that God is encapsulated in this one realization. The single greatest sacrifice in human history is finished. How clearly we can see it. So what's so good about Good Friday? Just one thing, that the blood of Jesus can reverse the curse of sin and raise the dead to life. How clearly we can see it is finished. The single greatest sacrifice in human history encapsulated in this one realization. We can say that God is for us. Now we know better. There is a peace beyond understanding. There is a life of fulfillment. There is a way of redemption. We had almost believed God is dead, but now we are witnesses to this reality. The weak are made strong. The blind can see. The lost are found. We had heard the stories of old. Yes, this is what is true. The chains of mortality utterly broken. Behold, freedom rising. Now God's people are unstoppable. There's no longer the sound of the enemy laughing, his plans obliterated. Here is our King, Jesus, overcoming our sin and our debt, reconciling us with God, erasing the very notion of our rebellion, our guilt, our shame. Heaven watched and saw it all the naked humiliation, the inhumane flogging, the brutal beating, and this was deemed sufficient for all of us. We told ourselves that we were in control. All along, these were the plans firmly in the hands of God.
Our sin drove the nails. Our sin stopped his heart. And yet this is the incredible part of it. He never stopped loving us. The bright light of our future, all in one moment, bringing death to death by way of a cross. This is the story of Jesus, the Son of God, an innocent man putting to an end the wrongdoing of all humanity. How can one describe such a day? Good Friday. So what's, what's so good about it, right? Why, why do we call it Good Friday? That's, that's a really good question to ponder on a night like tonight. And so why don't we just jump right into it? I want to just talk to you about some reasons why this has historically been called Good Friday. Brutal for Christ, but really, really good for you and me, amen? amen? Here's the first thing, that I just wanna get right into it. When we come to encounter the cross of Christ, we get to encounter conviction. Everybody say that word, conviction, conviction. The Bible says this in John 16, eight. Why don't we read it out loud together? Go, and when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, and righteousness and judgment. Now, we don't like conviction, but it's necessary. It's good. And if I might say so, I'm afraid that we are somehow, some way losing touch with conviction. We, we, don't, we don't feel so remorseful anymore when we fall short, when we sin. I remember when I first became a Christian, I was 18 years old, and uh, most of you know my story. And by the way, I'm seeing a lot of people that I've never seen before, so if you are a guest, welcome. I, we are so glad you are here. So I became a Christian at the age of 18, and I was really, really, really lost before I became a Christian. I mean, about as lost as an Easter egg in June, you know what I'm saying? Lost. And... And um, when, I, when I got saved, it was, God just radically changed my life. But I, I, I was so broken in my sin, and I was so remorseful and contrite and convicted of all of the horrible things that I had done in my life. And uh, I mean, therapy wasn't big back then, but if it was, I, I should have been in therapy. And my student pastor, Mark Yoder, and others started working with me to help me understand that when you are in Christ, he wipes all that away and you are forgiven and you are cleansed by the blood of Jesus, right? But then I would, you know, I would continue to sin like you. Everybody falls short of the glory of God. And, and when I would sin after I became a Christian, I still felt very convicted about it. Like, I would, I, would, I would lose sleep over it. And I was working with my student pastor then, and Miss Howell, she was, a, she was a mentor of mine. And I'll never forget Miss Howell. I was probably about two years in the faith, so I was about 20 years old. Miss Howell said to me, Benji, it's actually really good that your heart stays tender to the things of God, and your heart is still breaking when you sin. 
a light bulb went off for me in that moment because I was given freedom. I thought I was having issues. I thought I was about to have a mental breakdown. Like, what is wrong with me? And she said, no, no, never lose that. And here's the quote. She said, I'll never forget it. She goes, that is a gift from God. When you feel conviction, it's not only a gift of God, but, but I would say to you that it's actually a testimony or a testament to the fact that you're saved. Like if you sin and you, you feel bad about it, you grieve it, that's a gift from God. And tonight is a night for us to come to terms with the fact that my sin, my sin and your sin hung him to the old rugged cross. Have you thought about that recently? Like you had something to do with it. You're like, what you talking about? I wasn't there. I know, but he's sovereign and he knew you and he died that good Friday, not only for the sins of the past, he was covering the old covenant with the new covenant. He died not only for the sins of the present 2000 years ago, but he died for all the future sins in the world. Love divine was compressed for all history in that lonely figure on the cross who said that he could call down angels at any moment on a rescue mission, but check this out. He chose not to. He chose not to. At Calvary, God accepted his own unbreakable terms of justice. There had to be a price paid for sin, and he paid that price. My sin, your sin, nailed him to the cross, which is, by the way, some of you are like, what are you doing down on the floor? And I'm sorry, this is a big crowd for Good Friday. Like, I hope y'all can see me back there. But I, I chose, I wanted to be down here with you tonight. You know why? Because the ground is level at the foot of the cross. And we all stand here together. Sometimes I'm so sick of being up on the stage. I've never said that publicly. Uh, <laughs> but I'm with you and my sin and your sin, brother, and your sin, sister, and everyone's sin nailed him to that cross. We, we have a core behavior, core value on our staff. It's, it's called own your stuff. You, you, know, you know what that's about. Like, is there anything worse than someone who does something wrong and they won't own it? You, you ever, you've been around those people? Y'all smiling way too much. Y'all thinking about somebody. <laughs> Y'all got people all up in your mind right now you're thinking about. I know there's nothing worse than somebody that just, they just, they done something wrong, they said something wrong, they did something, and they, they just, they're in denial. And they, you ever been around anybody who they'll never admit they're wrong? Right? He's well. <laughs> we, we have a saying, a core, core value called own your stuff, which is simply a, a way of reminding us as a staff team, listen, if I make a mistake, I need to own it. Just, just, grace abounds, but just own the mistake. Never thought about the cross in reference to that core behavior of ours. But here it is. Tonight is a really good night for you and me to own our stuff. Like, like, we're guilty. My sin 
nailed him on the cross. What am I trying to say? Don't miss this. I want to leave this up there for a moment because this will change the way you think about the cross. Before we can begin to see the cross as something done for us, we have to see the cross as something done by us. Don't let that one slip away. Put that one to memory. Yes, the cross was done for us, and we love to sing about that, and we love to celebrate that year round, but a mature believer has to eventually come to the point of realization that the cross was done by me. I am guilty. I did that. It wasn't just a bunch of Roman soldiers and Pontius Pilate and them just carrying out an order. No, 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 no. They played a role in it. But when I sin, past, present, or future, I'm guilty of nailing him to the cross and I can and I should feel conviction when I sin. When was the last time your heart grieved because of your sin? Just gonna let that hang there for a moment. Tonight's a great night to think about that. Conviction, what's beautiful about conviction at the cross it flows quite naturally into another word that starts with a C, confession. Confession. Come on, 1 John 1, 9, go. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Now that's a good place for an Amen. He is faithful, yeah. He is faithful, he is just. If we confess our sin, conviction, confession, that's our part, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. In wake of numerous public confessions by fallen politicians and athletes and all kinds of business executives, in her book, Susan Wise Bauer wrote powerfully about the difference, listen, between an apology and a confession. There's a difference. She says this in her book, The Art of the Public Grovel. She says, an apology is an expression of regret. I am sorry, okay? Everybody say that, I am sorry. A confession, though, is an admission of fault. I am sorry because I did wrong, I sinned. In other words, an apology addresses an audience. I could sit up here tonight if I, if I was short with some of you when you came in or, you know, whatever. We, we didn't let you in on time, I don't know. And I said, hey, I'm sorry, that's an apology. I regret that I did. That, that's very different than a confession. A confession is at a higher level, a usually addresses a higher power, and implies that an inner change is needed. Okay? I, I, don't, I don't know how you were impacted by um, <laughs> the moment a few weeks ago when, when Will Smith <laughs> slapped the you-know-what out of Chris Rock, and uh, as soon as it happened, I, ha I as soon as it happened, I, I was like, "Oh no!" 
Because like, I love Will Smith. I'm a big Will Smith fan. I think he's one of the best actors on the planet up there with Matthew McConaughey and Denzel Washington. You know what I'm saying? Will Smith is, and he, he did that and I went, oh no. And then I immediately start thinking, I hope he handles this well after the fact. Because it was already done. And I start thinking, man, it's gonna really, really determine how he handles it now. I actually think he handled it powerfully. He, he's still banned from the academy for 10 years. But, but did you hear his apology? Now, now, the mainstream media called it an apology. I will tell you, the moment I read it, I thought, that's actually not an apology. That's a confession. It was, it was masterful. And, and it was from his heart. Here, here's what he said. Violence in all of its forms is poisonous and destructive. My behavior at last night's, and he didn't delay the very next day. My behavior at last night's Academy Awards was unacceptable and inexcusable. He's owning his stuff. I would like to publicly apologize to you, Chris. I was out of line and I was wrong. I am embarrassed and my actions were not indicative of the man I want to be. There is no place for violence in a world of love and kindness. Now notice how he was brutally honest about his behavior. Notice that he said it's unacceptable and it's inexcusable. And notice that he apologizes, he owns his stuff, and then he makes it clear, that's not the kind of man I want to be. Now, it's here at the cross that we not only come to terms with the fact that Jesus hung there and my sin hung him there, that's conviction, we just talked about that, but we come to terms with the need for confession, which clearly states that I am wrong. I'm sorry, Lord. My sin nailed you to the cross. And that is not the kind of woman or man I want to be. And so I'm going to turn from my sin and I'm gonna walk with you, Christ. It's, it's confession. It's not just a thin apology. When was the last time you did an inventory on your life, your deeds, or even your thought life? And when was the last time you and I truly confessed that sin and truly felt conviction about it? told you earlier, I, I, I'm afraid that in our contemporary ways and in our contemporary world, this might be an, an, a lost art. And yet it's so important to this faith that we cherish. This whole calling to confess. Because if we don't, then we are just we are just trying to live out what Dietrich Bonhoeffer called cheap grace, which is really no grace at all. So first at this cross, this place of the skull, this Calvary, we have conviction. 
And then we confess our sin when we see that love poured out for us. And here's the third thing, conversion. What is it, church? Conversion. conversion. You'll know a great verse to put to memory. Here's one. Let's read it out loud. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has. That's a great verse. If anyone is what? In Christ, he or she is what? A new creation. The old self, the old life is gone and the new has come. You can't be in Christ without encountering Good Friday and Jesus on the cross. To stand here and do business with what took place on Good Friday is to receive the gift of salvation and transformation that happens when a person authentically receives the greatest gift the world has ever received. And that was God's one and only son on a cross for you and for me. This is what conversion is all about. It's genuinely and authentically coming to terms with my sin, encountering a love so divine that it demands my very life and then receiving the gospel, not anything I do, receiving what he has done and giving my life to him for conversion. You know, it's, if, you, um, if you've been doing some of the devotions with us um, and you've been following particularly during Holy Week, um, there was this, there's this encounter that goes down on Monday of Holy Week. So last Sunday, if you were here, we celebrated Palm Sunday. Jesus is on the top of Mount of Olives. He's looking down toward Jerusalem. He's about to go and die on the cross for you and me. They start celebrating. They start waving palm branches. They start saying, Hosanna, it's a big party. And then before long, the crowd is fickle, and they're start, they start yelling, crucify him. They go from Hosanna to crucify him just like that. So I don't know how you would have felt, but like that, that, can, that can be a bad day for you, right? Well, I don't know if Jesus was having a bad day, but what's interesting is on Monday, Jesus is walking with his disciples and he comes across this fig tree. Y'all know this story? And it was springtime, it was, it was about this time of the year. And the fig tree was already in full leaf, in full foliage. It was, it was, it was, it was ready, but there were no figs on it. Jesus wasn't happy with that. I, I don't know. I, Jesus was fully God. He was fully human. And I know that's hard to understand. But, but listen, water comes in different forms too, right? Ice, liquid, mist. I mean, you know, it's all. But he, so I think this was Jesus on a Monday. And Mondays are, Mondays are bad, especially when you preach. When you preach on Sunday, Mondays are bad. And, and, I don't, and then, you, then when you, by the time you get finished preaching, they start yelling at you, crucify him. That's a real bad Monday. So Jesus is walking along and he comes across this fig tree. I'm not making this up. He comes across this fig tree and, and he's with his disciples and the, the fig tree has foliage on it, but no figs. And Jesus curses the fig tree. May you never bear fruit again. And, and they circled back with him later and told Jesus, you know that, <laughs> you remember that fig tree you cursed? <laughs> I think it's toast. It was withered. It was done. You, you ought to go check it out. It's in Mark chapter 11. It's a great, great story. Here's, 
Here's the main point. I mean, there's so much going on behind the scenes. I could preach an entire message on that, but, but I won't. Jesus knows the week that is ahead of him. Remember, it's Monday of Holy Week. He knows what's coming on Friday. The fig tree cursing is at a minimum a sober warning for us today. Watch this. You'll see it on the screens. That fruitlessness leads to judgment, and I must always think about my own figs or fruit or lack thereof. And a groan fell across the people of God. Did you hear that? If you can't say amen, amen, let us say ouch, right? It's interesting. In John's gospel, Jesus would pick up on this same theme of fruit and vines. And he said this in John 15, five and six. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you, help me out, church, will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, let's read this last part together. You are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Notice the withering language again. To which some of you would say, you know, I don't like, I don't like that kind of language. I, I, don't, I don't like language of burning and fire. To which I would say to you, I, I didn't write it, I just deliver it. <laughs> and that's, that's kind of between you and God. Fruitlessness was really, really important to God. And tonight, we come before this cross and we do business with a holy God. We do business with the fact that my sin hung him there. That's conviction. I come to terms with the sins that I brought into this place in action, thought, deed, whatever, I come to terms with that and I confess that. And through that confession, I am cleansed and for some I experience conversion for the first time or I give my life back to him. The gospel is glorified and celebrated in the life of a believer and a church when that happens. It's very critical for us to do business with God tonight. So why is Good Friday so good? Resounding throughout the universe, transcending time and space, is the greatest shout of victory heard by the human race. From the lips of the Lord Jesus came that tremendous cry. It is finished was his shout as he laid down his life to die. All scripture has been fulfilled and the prophecies now complete as the one of whom the prophets speak, come on now, held Satan in defeat. 
The battle has been won by him, the immortal God who died. His precious blood has flowed for sin, and the law is satisfied. Now God invites us all to come and truly do believe forgiveness of sin and fruit to bear for those who do receive. It's the beauty of the gospel. Pray with me. Father, I thank you for the silence that is in this room, the, the sense of conviction that I have as I stand here and I sense your people have. Father, we come to you and we, we want to practice 1 John 1, 9. God, we, we need to confess our sin. And God, I thank you that the, the beauty of the gospel, the beauty of Good Friday is that the, the veil, the curtain was torn from top to bottom so that we now have full access to you. God, we don't need a, a human priest. We, we have the high priest, his, your son, our Lord Jesus. And so God, thank you for the access that we have to confess our sin, to plead the blood of Jesus and to be forgiven of that sin. So what is it tonight that you need to confess? What's going on in your life that you know doesn't please the heart of God? I wanna invite you in this moment of silence for you to confess that. Have you ever in your mind's eye pictured Calvary, the Son of God, hanging on the cross, crown of thorns on his head, spear hole in his side, spikes in his hands and his feet, and his blood shed there for you to pay your sin debt? So just say, Lord, I confess, and you fill in the blank. And repent. Say, Lord, that's not the man, that's not the woman I want to be. So I turn towards you. Pray to your God who loves you. Father, thank you that when we genuinely confess our sin 
you are faithful and just to forgive us. The cross is proof positive that you love us and you can forgive us. So we're grateful for that. But I want you to know that I'm fully aware in a crowd this size that if some of you are here today and you've never given your life to Christ, you've never had a genuine, authentic encounter with the Lord who loves you so much that he hung on a cross for you. With all eyes closed, I just wanna ask you to open up your minds, open up your heart. And do you know that you know that you know that you are a saved child of God? That poem just said, now God invites all to come and truly do believe forgiveness of sin and fruit to bear for those who do receive. If you wanna receive the gospel message of Jesus tonight, you wanna have your sins forgiven and you wanna give your life to Christ, pray this in your heart. Just say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying on a cross for me. I receive that gift of salvation. Come into my heart. I turn from my sin and I turn towards you. And I want to follow you all the days of my life. Now, if you prayed that prayer, I wanna ask you to do something. I wanna ask you to just lift up your hand right where you are. Just raise it up. Hold them up high. Eyes, our eyes are closed. I just want to hold them up. One, two, three, four. Hold them up high. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-seven, twenty-eight, twenty-nine, thirty, thirty-one. 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, bless you, 36. Father, your children have raised their hands to say, I am receiving the gospel gift of salvation today. Father, we praise you. I love, I love the heart of this church that would just clap in that moment. Father, thank you for salvation. Thank you for the rededication, the, the experiences that we've had tonight as we've laid our sin before you. Be glorified, be exalted, be honored, not only in our lives tonight, but in our lives forever. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name, amen. Man, yeah, come on.